Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Move, a podcast which is hosted by me, Jamie Lang, and my business partner, Ed Williams. Now, in 2012, Ed and I founded our confectionery business, Candy Kittens, a business which I'd actually dreamed of having ever since I was six years old. And honestly, we wouldn't have achieved half of what we've been able to without all the amazing tips and advice we picked up along the way. Move stands for Motivation, Opportunity, Vision, Entrepreneurship. And each episode of the podcast, we're bringing you the stories of founders, innovative thinkers, entrepreneurs and winners who show us all what's possible with hard work and focus. So whatever you're moving towards, we hope today's guests will open your eyes to what you can achieve. This is Move. Hello, Jamie. Edward, hello. How are you doing today? Ah, feeling pretty good, man. Feeling pretty good. Had a lovely weekend. I was up in Scotland, um, which was nice. Actually, but you didn't know, well, I think you did know this, but the listeners, I'm half Scottish. I did know that, yeah. yeah but the listeners yeah. don't know it, so I thought I'd give them a little bit of useless information at the beginning the of the accent. podcast. You hide it so well. <laughs> right, who do we have on the podcast today? Today, we have one of your friends, actually, the mm-hmm. brilliant Laura Jackson. Laura is incredible. I met Laura. I, there was a thing called Close Show. We did Close Show Live, which was in Birmingham. We'd started about seven, eight years ago. We went down there, and it was the first time we had ever had sort of a pop-up shop. Um, we did it for five days uh, when Candy Kins had just started, and it was incredible. I went on stage with Laura there, and she was the loveliest, warmest, just greatest person. We stayed friends since then. Laura is really, really great. Slightly different to some of the other guests we've had on so far in that Laura, as well as having her own business these days, started out her career in media. So lots to learn, not just about how she started her business, but what she's doing in the world of media and how she gets ahead from the crowd. But also, she was one of these people, she uh, grew up in the North, she was told that she couldn't achieve anything, that she was never going to achieve anything, but she had these dreams and aspirations of wanting to go and just reach the stars. And she's done that in so many different ways. She is passionate about what she does, she's driven, she's confident. You can learn so many things from this individual because she really knows what she wants to do in life. And I think that's key to success. Absolutely right. So, should we get on and do this? Let's do it. Laura Jackson on move. Laura, how are you this morning? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? You look very radiant. Thank you so much. It's the rain. <laughs> the rain is good for that, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but I do, but whenever I ever meet you, you always make me feel you sort of put that sort of light into people's lives, I think. I think I'm quite a positive person. A lot of energy. I have a lot of energy. Some people find that very annoying, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's good. When you walked in, Joe said, this is going to be good. We can feel the energy straight away. Did you say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks, Joe. Positive vibes. Joe is our sound technician who's sitting at the end, who's meant to not make any noise. He just waves at us. Be quiet, Joe. Yeah, be quiet, Joe. Uh, Laura, uh, what we uh, like doing the podcast is we find out what you did this morning. What did you do before you got here? Okay, I'm doing my house up at the moment. I'm not doing it. Some builders are doing it. Um, So I checked on them. I had a shower before they turned the water off and moved the boiler. Big deal, guys. Big day (laughs) in my house. Is that a big deal? 
Well, I don't know. I think it's that it's... Deal. I like I'm, I'm looking forward to a new shower. I've just got a trickle at the moment. Oh, do you know what? Water pressure, tell you what. What do you mean, hang on? What do you mean water pressure? Is that See, what you have to... Jamie's suffer? led a very privileged life. He's oh. never had to deal with it. <laughs> oh, Huddersfield, so this is a real problem with water pressure. Yeah, when I moved down to London, I was like, wow, I can have the tap and the shower on and flush the toilet at the same time. It's a miracle. Um, Laura, also in our podcast, what we like to do to set things up is understand what you were like at school. Mm-hmm. So uh, you have a school report for us. So could you possibly read your school report? Yeah, Okay. Laura seems to only come to school to socialise and she spends most of her time talking in class. <laughs> Do you think that was true? Do you think you were one of those people at school who just sort of spoke the whole time? Yeah. I, I, do you know what? I actually just taught the whole way through school. Do you like school? Um, yes, to socialise. Just for socialising, yeah. I don't, think, I, don't, I don't think I learned that much at school in terms of, I don't know, I didn't... Education wasn't um, up there for me. I'm dyslexic, so I really struggled with all those academic subjects. Yeah. Food I loved, um, PE I loved, DT I loved. Anything where I could make something with my hands and kind of chat and make it fun, I was brilliant at. But anything like science or maths and English, I just really struggled. I remember trying to read Of Mice and Men in English. Literally got no idea. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you one name of anyone in Of Mice and Men. Mice and Men. Uh, yeah, but Of Ice Men by John Stinder. <laughs> yeah, but, but, the, but the interesting thing is, is that, was that because, is that because you chose not to or it just didn't interest you? Did, did all these kind of, like I said, the geographies and the uh, I was going to say geologies, it's just about rocks, um, histories and all those, that didn't interest you? Was it more where you could create and you could interact with different things? Is that what kind of pushed you forward? Well, I guess that is the way that I was taught. I mean, sitting in a classroom and being in a class of like 32 to 40, when you're dyslexic, you're not concentrating. It's really difficult Um uh, yeah, I, 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 I think it was the way that I was taught, which is I, which is why I think education is so important and we must kind of look at every child individually rather than as a group. Yeah. Because not everyone learns the same. Wait, hang on a second. So you were in a class of 30 to 40 people? Th- yeah. 30 to 40 people. See, I was in a class of probably about 12. I think so. Yeah, what school did you yeah. go to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I went to, I, went to, I went to a boarding school, right, of course. And so I suppose it's privately educated, so you're paying for your education. So, um, but I think that, that you're so right in saying that. If you are in a class of 30 to 40, how do you get acknowledged? Because surely that means you can just drift to the back and not do anything. 30 to 40 people is a huge amount of people to just also being dyslexic. I don't think if it was 40, maybe that's a really big example. That sounds that's pretty quite a, big. That's quite a large, Britain's isn't it? biggest class. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, yeah. but did They're you, famous. Yeah, but did you not know at the beginning when you were, so you were at school, you really didn't like it. You liked doing sort of cooking and all those kind of things and DT and whatever it was. Did you have like an interest when you go out? Do you think this is what I want to do? This is what I want to achieve when I'm older? Or do you just kind of go through life like I kind of did by just going, oh, just sort of see what happens? Um, I don't... I, don't know if it's like that up north. I don't know if it's drilled into you that you have to think about your career from a very early age. Like you get to be younger for a lot longer because we were playing out in the fields and just kind of being kids, had newspaper rounds. It wasn't until I kind of came to London where I was quite shocked at how ambitious everybody was. Mm -hmm. And I think that I really got into that more when I lived in London and went to university and kind of saw everyone around me kind of making plans and stuff. But when I was younger, I, I, I just really, enjoyed being young if I'm honest I think I was I I, because being dyslexic um 
Did you know you were dyslexic in school? Yeah, from an early age. Like I struggled with reading and writing. And so I did have extra help at high school, which was brilliant, and at university. So I was just super lucky. Um, But I'd I'd never thought... I didn't know what I wanted to do. Because, I mean, we spoke about this before, Jamie. When you've got your careers advisors at school giving you the options... This is so interesting, yeah. So they kind of say to you, right, okay, you could be a nurse or um, you could be a hairdresser or you could um, be a mechanic. And all of these are really, really great options, but I never felt like I fitted into any of these categories. It's kind of real box-ticking yeah. exercise. Yeah. You can and be it, any one of these 10 jobs on my page. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, oh, well, Sue next door, she's a nurse. Sue really likes being a nurse. I'm like, you oh. Good for Sue. Yeah, that's really... <laughs> but, but I, I, think, I think probably you're maybe, maybe right, but I think, you know, being a mechanic, being a nurse, being these things, uh, yeah, it's the ticking the box. It's not what, you know, as a kid growing up, you think, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be, you know, I want to be Football famous. Man. I want to be a footballer. You don't think, oh, I'm going to grow up and become a nurse unless you think, God, I just really like helping people, right? Yeah. And so, I, but from, you said in London, I remember growing up and sort of, uh, thinking that it's it's strange because I remember growing up thinking I could probably just do anything. I didn't think there was like a, a problem not. So I want to be a stuntman. I was like, of course, I'll just be a stuntman. That's what I want to do. But it's different. You're saying from Huddersfield when you were there that you found it tricky that people were sort of trying to put you in a box and saying, well, this is what you can do because Sue down the road does it as well. Yeah. And I guess that um, I really liked art. I wasn't very good at it, but I loved colouring in. I loved kind of making collages and designing things and kind of creating bits and pieces with my hands. But but no one ever said to me, hey, if you like art, you could be a makeup artist. Or, hey, if you like organising, you could be a producer. Or yeah. you could, like, I, I just didn't know about those options because I didn't know people that had these kind of fancy jobs. And, uh, like, my parents are, like, really worldly and they travel. And, and I'm sure we probably talked about all of these options. But it wasn't until I got to choosing university that I realised doing something that was more creative was way my... Like, way yeah, yeah, I think it's quite similar for me. So I grew up in South Wales, and it was really similar. Everybody just kind of... Where's that Welsh accent gone? I know, lost it, yeah, bullied I, out of me. I, I, I beat it out of him. <laughs> Did and you, you, dare and you like just, that? nobody, everybody just kind of sort of focuses just on having a good time yeah. and actually just being good people. And yeah. I think that was actually a wicked foundation for everything that you kind of go on for. Mm. But for me, going to uni was like the moment where I was like wow, this whole world exists. Like, there's so much out there. Yeah. And again, like, my parents travelled a lot and we've kind of seen a lot as kids, but still, not until you went to uni, you kind of talk to other people and start seeing totally new perspectives. Where did you go to university? Um, I went to Leeds to study nice. events management. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Leeds University. Well, my dad's like, love that wasn't a university, it was a polytechnic. <laughs> I'm like, whatever, same, same, whatever, whatever. But I went to Leeds as well. I did Leeds and I did theatre and performance too. I just can't believe I passed it and crossed, Jamie. I'm sure they did. <laughs> Probably had a night in tequila. Did you ever go to tequila on the Wednesday nights? No. No, dry dock. We used to go to dry you know dock. that um, the uh, the boat in the middle. The, <laughs> you used yeah, to go there. Yeah, that was yeah. It's like great. <laughs> but do you know what though? I think that it's just going back to what you said, Ed. I think it's about teaching children now, not like what do you want to be, but who do you want to be? Like, do you yeah. want to be kind? Do you want to be considerate? Do you want to be thoughtful? And I think that these are really important words that we should be teaching our children not how much money do you want to make how successful do you want to be because i think being kind and thoughtful will lead to being successful because you care yeah 100%. that is exactly and i think this is what this whole podcast was is meant to be about because i you know 
growing up, right, I thought I had to pass because what we're doing we're pigeonholed into school system right so we said yeah. this you have to go to school you have to learn this thing you have to get past this exam to get to this university get this degree to get this job then you'll become rich which makes you successful mm. and that is all uh, complete non that's just nonsense right because yeah. successful is d- defined in so many different ways totally. you know people are successful who um aren't working at all they don't have any job they have the most wonderful family or they're successful mm-hmm. in their own right because they're an artist and they're a struggling artist but whatever being rich and wealthy and being basically rich can only get by you fast cars a big house and a lot of problems i honestly believe that and i think that at school what we need to teach kids is and the younger generation is the fact that they have these other options out there and they can do things like you said if if you're an artist, you can go and do be a, become a makeup artist. You can go into uh, be a producer. All these different things. We weren't told that at all, and I think a lot of kids don't realise that. And if you are dyslexic at school, like mm. you and I was dyslexic as well, you're kind of seen as. Uh, I was embarrassed about the fact that I was dyslexic and I couldn't spell things. I was seen stupid. So I was then upset. So therefore, I didn't really think I could achieve anything. But I think that's what needs to change. Mm. And it's the pressure of achieving things in life that I feel like it's wrong. I feel like it, it, it's, it's, it's how we perceive things at the moment is wrong. Um, but when you went to university and you did your degree and you came out of that, did you then decide, right, I'm going to move to London? Well, I didn't know what I wanted to study at university and I didn't know whether I wanted to go, but everyone else was going and I didn't know what else to do, if I was completely yeah. honest. And I thought, right, well, that's four years of my life organised for me. And I studied events management because I liked to party. So I was like, <laughs> hey, why don't I study events management for four years? What a waste of money. I, t- I did a course on fireworks. <laughs> No, 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 you didn't. No, you didn't. I did. What do you mean you did a course on fireworks? I remember kind of having these like seminars, like the, and the, the the course was fireworks. I remember sat there thinking, "This is shit." What, what and even I can recognise that this is shit. Well, just about like I, I don't even know. I remember having printouts <laughs> on fireworks. Like, what is this? Have you, how many fireworks displays have you organised since? Um, actually, one for my wedding, and it was really? bloody fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I dug out the notes. <laughs> exactly, but <laughs> but, um, but I think that what I did <clears throat> learn at university was meeting people from different backgrounds, 100%. all different walks of life, and work experience. And actually, work experience at school was brilliant, and work experience um, at university was great. So I did my first year at Leeds, and I did some. Um, I applied for this. Um, um, work experience at this company in London. I was like, I am never going to get it. They've got like a, a royal like stamp to do all these events, and it was like this really lovely company called the Admirable Crichton. And I, I mean, I'm northern now, but I sounded way more northern. <laughs> You're way more Huddersfield. Yeah, I was back. way more Huddersfield back then. And uh, uh, some miraculous thing happened, and they gave me this placement. I was so happy because. How did you do that? How did you cut through? Do you think what was it? I think I was just keen. Keen. I'm always keen. I'll make the tea. I'll clean up. I'm always available. I think I've got a good work ethic that I've had installed for me from my parents at a very young age. I've had a job since I was like 12 doing paper rounds, giving out leaflets, like whatever. I just want to work hard. And I think that they decided to go for somebody different because they'd employed. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think it's amazing how many people apply. We get loads and loads of applications. We're super lucky because of our, I guess, the social media kind of following that we have yeah every time we put a job out we get hundreds of applicants and i think people don't really properly think about that everyone in school says oh you know when you apply to uni make sure your cv looks good and blah 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 but actually nobody really really thinks about how they apply no completely and how you kind of stick out and how you you know you say you were really keen but you must mm. have been like really keen and done something different and i think people don't really well, kind of i think i was the sort of person enough. like um sharing clueless that probably printed out my cv on pink paper and sprayed it with like links africa or something do you know what <laughs> i mean i used to drown myself in <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wearing it now yeah but, but laura the interesting thing is is that you you say at school you kind of you didn't really you didn't really work you went to university because you kind of wanted to, to so it was organized four years of your life and that was the same as me but you still had a work ethic because at 12 years old you were doing the paper mm. but where did that come from? Where did that passion to, to, to work come from? Because if you're not working at university and things that run in front of you, why would you want to then go and find a job in London and do those kind of things? Is it because you saw you were aspirational or you had a vision of where you wanted to go? What was it? I think I was aspirational and I'd seen that my parents had always worked and I saw that working hard gave you um, options. So if you worked hard and had a wage coming in, you could choose where you went on holiday rather than not going on holiday. Um, and I just saw that I, I, I like working and I liked people. I've done so many different jobs. And my mum's the same. Like, she's super chatty. She's got loads of friends. She loves working. My stepdad is from a council estate in Liverpool. And he got a scholarship to study at a university and went on to do really great things from having absolutely nothing. Mm. And, I've, and I, I'm a real... I, I, I'm a bit of a sponge, so I always kind of get a lot from other people yeah. like I walk in a room and if everyone's really like ah I'm like Whoa. Um, and then you just explode into a firework yeah. I literally <laughs> explode into a firework get my notes out but then so you did your work experience mm. and then I suppose you did that and then you finished university so yeah so I did first year at Union Leeds did my work experience in London for this incredible company called the Admirable Crichton I learned so much I got to work in their events team their logistics team um, with the chefs um, it was brilliant I really really loved it and I loved it so much I decided to transfer my course from Leeds to Greenwich so I could keep working at the Admirable Crichton um, evenings and weekends where I would still waitress and I got to see the yeah. most incredible parts of London like I'd go to people's massive houses and they'd just be huge like people who had art galleries on like the fifth floor of their house I mean 
a girl from Huddersfield is like, what the hell? Have you been to Jamie's? I mean, I've never even been to an art gallery, so I was like, this is amazing. And then, oh, it's just brilliant. And we got like a prep bag every time we worked. We had a sandwich, brownie and a drink nice. in there. I was literally like in heaven. It was amazing. <laughs> got to work at like the Natural History Museum. I was doing all these incredible things and met all these incredibly inspiring people. So I was like, I'm going to work in events um, and study at Greenwich. So I... You did in the same course, but you transferred it to Greenwich. Yes, exactly. Cool. And I had friends that had moved to London in that time that I knew, so I lived with them and, um, yeah. And you, so you started, I suppose, to develop a plan, right? Mm. So you started to like what you were doing, but also at that age, you must have been, what, 20, 21 at that time? Yeah. But you were working evenings and weekends, yeah. which no one does, right? That, that, that's a rarity, I think. A lot of people... And that's where, without knowing it, you see your sense of work ethic coming mm. in and your desire to work in situations with people because a lot of when I was 2021 20, all I was focusing on was whether or not I was going to go and fly to Ibiza for the summer you know I really didn't understand anything I didn't have that sort of work ethic which I have now which you had from a really young age but I didn't have any money Jamie so like if I didn't work I wasn't paying my rent and the yeah. consequence to me not paying my rent wasn't my parents putting their hands in their pockets it was me going home yeah, yeah. so I had consequences to my actions so yeah. if I wasn't working evenings and weekends I wasn't going to to top shop and buying that new jumper mm. or I wasn't going out with my friends and I had a really nice support network from um people that I met in Leeds who were in London who are still my best friends now and they're a few years older than me they're like my sisters and every now and every now and again they'd take me to the pub and they'd treat me and, and I kind of was rewarded like for good behavior <laughs> from like my sisters and yeah I suppose I, I didn't have I, di I wouldn't be able to have the things that I wanted if I didn't work that was it that's the bottom line so I suppose you were at university and you were doing the, this job while you were there what was the kind of uh, what was the kind of big lesson that you learned at that point in your life was there a lesson that you suddenly thought right this is it you have to work hard to succeed or was it what was the the thing that you were discovering at the moment I think I was just really learning about myself yeah and what I enjoyed because I still I mean I, I feel like I know myself a lot more now um but I really didn't know myself then I was still trying to figure it all out who I am what I wanted to do the person that I wanted to be um and I was still in a I, I always knew that I didn't want to have a job that I went to at nine o'clock in the morning, I had a desk and I had a photo of my family on the side and my own keyboard and I ate a sandwich at my desk. I never, ever wanted that. And I used to say that from a very, very early age. I always wanted to have a job that allowed me to really enjoy my life, yeah. but still work hard. And I think that that has always been at the back of my mind. And I love my job now so much. I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't change any of it for the world. But I've, I think I must have strategically built this path for myself otherwise why would I be here but I think I did it subconsciously what is it what is your job how do you describe your because I always find that quite weird how do you describe your job to your mates in Leeds or Huddersfield yeah um jack of all master of none is probably the <laughs> the bottom line um I'm a bro I'd say that I'm a broadcaster by trade yeah um, but I do lots of other things that feed into that. And when was it you realised you wanted to kind of go for that as the the job? When was it broadcaster was like 
in your sights? Because obviously it was all kind of events, fireworks, Yeah, yeah and then you're jumping across, right? So yeah. you're, you're mm. going into something. Was that because someone said to you, you know, someone said, God, you're just so personable. You can chat to anyone. You should try and do this. Was there a moment where you suddenly fell into it? Like, actually, no, this is actually quite fun. I quite like doing this. I would pretty much do any job for money, right? Mm-hmm. If, because I needed to get by when I was at uni. So I used to do things like promotions. So handing out toothpaste at the tube station or like leafleting toothpaste at the the tube station yeah you know when you get like a little free like Colgate or something and someone's just handing them out I've never seen so you just Jamie doesn't get the tube (laughs) (laughs) what there are trains underground darling do they not have these at the helicopter station can't believe it so you would do that so you're doing all this promotion I'm like Jet 2 and you're like (laughs) private Ubercopter do you know what I mean (laughs) Ubercopter What you're saying is you were doing all these different things, so then how did that lead into it to broadcasting? Because I felt I was I felt confident enough to be on the streets, going up to people, giving them toothpaste, or um, working at festivals, handing out drinks or whatever. And I was always personable, and I really liked meeting people. And um, I wanted to go traveling to South America with my boyfriend at the time, and I decided that I needed to get a job, which meant I was not ever going out and spending money. So there was this new private place opening in Shoreditch um, called Shoreditch House, and they were looking for um, receptionists, and I was like dream job that's me that's me um i I'm, i've made it guys i am gonna be a receptionist and i was so excited i loved it like i loved everyone coming in and chatting to people it was brilliant so i was at university studying in the day and in the evenings i'd start at like four o'clock five o'clock in the afternoon and i finish at 4 a.m so there's no chance of me spending any money and i'd get the night bus home pre-uber guys um And I worked there for like eight months and I just used to love meeting people. And I met this amazing guy um, who kind of said to me, "Um, you should try presenting if you thought about it before. And I'd done some bits and pieces through like handing out toothpaste or whatever, you know, people going, oh, come in and read this thing for us. And I did really enjoy it, but I didn't really know how to get there because like most things in life, I think it's about who you know, isn't it? Yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah, I think. It's but then it's also putting yourself in the position to kind of true, but I find that luck as well, I guess. Yeah, but and I think that working at a, a reception like Shoreditch House and meeting interesting people, so um, Monkey King, Monkey Kingdom, who are a big production company, who you know, Jamie, because mm-hmm. they did um, yeah. your show. Um, they were in their prime and they were in the tea building. And I remember when people used to come in from Monkey Kingdom, I was like, oh my god, it's the telly people. <laughs> They're really cool. They're coming in for a cool meeting. Um, And yeah, I kind of just started to learn about telly and telly people. And I just got really excited about it. And this guy who came in, who was really lovely, um, said, I really want to put you in touch with this um, girl that I know. She and I went to university together and she's an agent. Do you want to like go for a cup of tea with her? So I met her for a cup of tea and she was so lovely. And she was like, I think you're really great, but, like, you've done absolutely nothing. Like, what? I kind of, I don't really know what to do with you. But I've got an audition next week. Do you want to go to this audition? And I was like, yeah, this is amazing. Jamie, bad news. That is the end of part one. What? I know, I know. We got there so quick. But don't fear. Part two is coming right up, just one click away. So everybody that's listening, just go over and click part two 
Thank you so much for listening. Honestly, it really does mean a huge amount. And we also hope today's podcast has inspired you to move towards your dream or passion. Now, if you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a comment. And if you'd like to get in touch, please email us at move at moveclub.co.uk or follow us on Instagram at moveclub. Until next time, this is Move. 